guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club. We are glad you're here for episode four. I have a special treat again tonight. Uh, I am joined by one of our guests from the roundtable discussion last episode from the Guatemala trip. So why don't we all give a Oxford Holy Club welcome to Joey. I mean, I guess it was more of a square table, rectangular table, but I'm glad to be here. Is this, is this what the night's going to be like, Joe? Yup. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, we're glad that you've joined us and we're going to get right into um, the content because we got a lot going on. I do want to give a shout out, though, to our second fan. Uh, that's right. We have doubled our fan base, Joey. Are you not impressed? I'm super impressed. Yep. It's nice. We're moving on up, moving on up. Um, second fan reached out to us on Facebook, made a little comment uh, about last week's episode and indicated they were, in fact, the second fan. So, second fan, tell somebody. I think by next next week, we could double. Could we double our fan base? And number one, how many fans do you need before it's considered a base? That'd be 400% growth in a couple weeks. Wow. That sounds impressive. So tonight, what we're going to look at are some questions from the internet. We also want to talk about um, the scripture that we use in our intro about being ready always to give an answer for the hope that's in you. We're going to look at that scripture tonight, talk a little bit about what that means. We also want to look at uh, one of the Wesley uh, questions as well and spend some time talking about that. And we cannot forget that oh-so-sweet, special, special, uh, not-a-sponsor segment. I always look forward to those. I just kind of look around at empty wrappers to see what I just enjoyed. And then I, um, Joe, you're just kind of looking down at your phone. Am I not in, Am I not keeping you interested? <laughs> I'm trying to cite these scriptures. I didn't think that they used unicorn in them, but it's. I'm checking. I'm fact-checking. For the, for the person who is listening, they just heard you drop the word unicorn with no context. <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure it out. We're going to get there. We're going to get spoilies. there. All right. So the first question tonight comes from uh, Yahoo Answers. Yahoo! Uh, Yahoo! Not a, not a sponsor. Um, and the question is this, and I'm reading it verbatim. This is how it was written on the website. How get rid headache played video game 12 hours phone? Uh-huh. How, how get rid headache played video game 12 hours phone. You don't talk that way. I don't. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the first responses, one of the first answers that came back to that was I don't speak English either. <laughs> I, I thought that was clever. Uh, another one was watch TV instead and have a break. And I thought that's not, that's not super helpful. I mean, what about you, Joe? What do you think? So if, if, I can, if I can cut through all the confusing English here, how, uh, how to get rid of a headache after playing a video game for 12 hours on their phone. That's what's happening here. So Joey, how would you get rid of a headache if you played video games for 12 hours on your phone? I can actually speak from personal experience on this one. Oh no. Go get food. If you're not hungry, sleep. <laughs> Uh, you know i took a totally different route with this 
I figured the headache is because they've spent their entire time staring at a screen, at one screen, right? Your eyes just are fixated on this one screen and they're not moving. So my answer is get two phones. So then you're, you know, if you can play a game, uh, a single-handed game on two phones, you can be looking to your left and then looking to your right. As long as you're in constant motion and your eyes are moving and you're blinking, I really think that that will alleviate having a headache. Oh, now maybe No, they've got the headache now. Okay, so this is more of my, mine's more of a preemptive uh, strike. You're going to want to get two phones, load up, you know, whatever game is your choice. And I think you play it with, with two phones on two screens. And really, you're just working on your multitasking skills. Like, it's, you're just benefiting all around. You know what? Yeah, it's just personal growth every which way we're turning right now. Um, now, if you do have a headache, you could go get an Advil. You could go get a Tylenol. But those are for the week. That those are for the week. And they're also not a sponsor. Uh, and they never will be now that we've called them out. <laughs> so if anybody from those companies are listening, we... Um, you're adequate. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. I, are we going to get sued? I don't know. We've dropped an awful lot of brands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as, we, as long as we don't sing another song or different parts of a song like last time, I think we're safe. This is Man of Steel level product placement. Okay. So Yahoo questionnaire person, um, maybe don't play video games for 12 hours on your phone. Uh, How do you uh, play video games 12 hours on your phone? If I play a video game for uh, an hour on my phone, if I'm laying in bed, my arms go to sleep. Yo. My thumbs start to hurt. Uh, my kid was playing uh, an unnamed game with a snake that grows as it eats shiny things. I can't <laughs> drop any more name brands. And so she's playing this thing. And when she stops, her hand is like permacramped in position. I take the phone <laughs> away from her and her hands don't move. And she's like, what is this? Like, that's your new reality. Um, well, I think we've adequately answered that question. So I would really love to move on if that's okay with you, Joe. I'm okay with that. Well, fantastic. Uh, this is, my wife made a comment before I left the house and she said, maybe I should listen to the podcast. Uh, and, and I was, I had this question banking on the fact that she wouldn't. So I received a text today from my wife. And if she's listening, you, you know who you are, uh, that said unicorn activities happening at the library at three want to go. The answer is always yes. Actually, my answer was more than anything. <laughs> more than anything. I, I don't think she sensed the sarcasm because then she responded with this really nice text back that said about how great a dad I was and all this kind of stuff. And then for like a split second, I realized, oh my word, I think I'm taking my kids by myself to some unicorn thing at the library. I don't really go to libraries that often. And I have... I don't really have a relationship with unicorns. Um, anyway, I went, Joe, I, I went and it was all unicorn stuff. How was that? Well, they were making unicorn crafts and um, one kid that was there made what he called uh, an evil unicorn. And then my son who went showed me his unicorn that he drew and colored in and he goes, my unicorn's dead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, uh, 
years of counseling ahead of ah, and, and my <laughs> my daughter obviously she drew this beautiful you, you know unicorn and then they made unicorn slime which is from Ew. what I could gather just random baking supplies from your cupboard mixed with glue mixed with color mixed with glitter it's the glitter that makes it the unicorn I think Ew. oh it's like that stuff from Harry Potter I, I've never watched those oh I'm sorry for your loss so okay. <laughs> I think it's interesting though and we're not, this isn't a serious question. It's not even a question. <laughs> this, I, I went to the library while my kids made unicorn stuff. And, uh, and, and then I remembered that in the King James version of the Bible, the word unicorn is actually used uh, quite a few times. I'm looking here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It, the, the word unicorn is used nine times in the Old Testament. I don't see a scripture here. There's no New Testament verses. Um, I could remember when God was talking to Job and, you know, and, and just kind of telling him, is like, who do you think you are kind of thing, right? And, and he mentions unicorns, you know, Job 39, 9. Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide in thy crib? Now, I'm just saying, I do not want, if a unicorn is real, I don't want one in my crib. Yeah, no, no. Not in my house, not in my bed. That's definitely a safety hazard. It just that horn's real pointy. Seems like a mistake. And then it you know, God asked Job, "Can you bind a unicorn with the band in the furrow or will he harrow the valleys after thee?" Now, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, this is why people don't read the KJV. Listen, Joey, don't be bashing the KJV. I'm a big fan of the KJV, but I also like my ESV cuz you're old. <laughs> Uh, all right we're moving on from the unicorns uh point of this story was that i actually was at a library and there was unicorn stuff everywhere and you know what my kids had a blast it was a lot of fun got to talk with some friends and and so that's always nice for the kids your age or the friends your age (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes, to both of those. I, I English well. Um, so I have a pod, what we're calling a podcast question, and it's specific to our podcast. In your intro, what does it mean to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you? In other words, what is the purpose of the podcast? I think this is an excellent question. If you go back to listen to the intro again, you'll hear that we say uh, that we do this so that you can be uh, ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you. So that comes out of first Peter three, 15 to 17. And Joe, would you like to give that a read? Here we go. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it's better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will than for doing evil. Okay, so it talked about um, being ready to give a defense to anyone who asks of you the, the reason for the hope that's in you. So I'm curious, and I'm, I'm sure other people are. The first question I would ask is, what is that hope? What does that mean? What do you think, Joe? In my opinion, the hope definitely refers to um, the hope that we have in Christ, both for uh, well, for our redemption, that we're able to go from being sinful and uh, having no hope, just being doomed to death and 
just bad things all around to being uh, redeemed in Christ and being uh, given a second chance to be with God and being uh, having eternal life with him. Yep. Uh, I looked at John 3, 16, 17. Everybody seems to know John 3, 16, very popular scripture. Thanks, uh, Tim Tebow. What's that? Thanks, Tim Tebow. Not a sponsor. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And a lot of times we stop there. Um, but, but to me, the next part is extremely important. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So to me, I, I look and when I say, you know, what is the hope that we have? The hope that we have is that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life and we're no longer condemned because he sent Jesus to save us, not to condemn us. And that fills me with, that fills me with the feeling of hope, but it is more than just that. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, they look at Christianity and they go, well, that's just fire insurance. You know, you know, it's just so that you don't go to hell when you die. Well, the reality is though, and, and what I think is that hope that we're talking about is not just hope for eternity, but it's also hope for today in, in the here and the right now for the Christian. Um, I think too, with John three sixteen, uh, people don't really push into verse 18 very much. Um, you, uh, you know how much I love the, uh, looking at flip side of things. So when people always talk about, uh, people always talking about, uh, the salvation and the resurrection of Jesus, I want to look at the death of Jesus and the significance of it. So when you go into verse 18, it talks about, uh, that who, that those who don't believe are already condemned. Yeah. I think that's super important to the overlying theme around John three 16, uh, that people kind of overlook because it doesn't have as good of a, it doesn't have the feel good inside type sure. thing, but I think that's super important and we kind of overlook it because in order to realize what hope you're missing out on and what hope there is out there, you have to realize the state that you're in when you aren't, when that hope isn't revealed to you, when you don't know that hope, why don't I, can I read the entirety 16 to 18? Yep. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. That only son of God, by the way, is Jesus. For those that maybe don't know that. Excellent point, Joe. Another scripture that I looked at in relation to hope for today was out of first John one nine. And it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is something that I know, because uh, Joey, I know you and, and you know me. This is something that I see lived out in our lives every day, that God is continually faithful to forgive us when we mess up and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Joe, what does all mean? Complete. All of it. You ready for a tongue twister? Oh, no. <laughs> all means all, and that's all all means. I think that's called podcast poison right there. Was that from Dale Thistle? No, it Uh, wasn't. It was not. All means all, and that's all, all means. There's no other translation of this. When it says he forgives us our sins and cleanses all the unrighteous, that's it. All of it. And it's gone. And 
to me, that means that the hope for today is also living in victory over sin. Um, the other thing, and we touched on it as well, and, and John 3.16 certainly talks about it, is the hope for eternity. I believe that when, when my life is over here on earth, that even though my physical body will die, that I will live on. Um, you know, the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right. I mean, that's, that's hope yep. right there. Joe, what did you think about, you know, hope for eternity? Um, it's definitely reassuring, especially uh, when it's especially reassuring when you have family members that uh, pass away or you have friends or whatever that pass away. Um, th- the people that I know that have gone through that, there's a very distinct difference I've noticed in funerals of people who, uh, who the person who died had that reassurance of uh, hope and of eternal life and people who didn't know Christ and didn't have that hope of eternal life. Um, there's a very distinct difference in the ones that knew that hope were, uh, there, there was still sadness that the person died, obviously that it sucks when they're gone, but there's still the hope that you'll see them again in paradise. And more importantly, that you'll be able to spend that, uh, eternity with your creator, with your father. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're right on. I've been to those funerals of the believer and of the unbeliever, and it is, they're, they're totally two different experiences. And if you, yeah, wow, there's a good example for hope. If you, if you ever really want to know what hope looks like, um, go to the funeral of a believer and you will see hope. If you want to see what hopelessness looks like, go to the funeral of an unbeliever. Now, I wouldn't honestly suggest that you do that. However, I think you can understand kind of what we're saying here. Um, John 10, 28, 30 really speaks to this hope for eternal life. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. There's an awful lot you can unpack Oh, from, yeah. from this Bible verse. But I want to point out, did you notice something that, that was mentioned a couple of times in this scripture? No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who was given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Even earlier on, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Yeah. Right. Like right there. It's saying it, you're, you're saying it twice. Um, and if you want to know if Jesus is God he says, I and the Father are one. I don't know if it could get any clearer than that. If Jesus himself, who is God, is saying that he gives eternal life, that we will not perish, and that no one can take us out of his hand, man, if that doesn't give you hope for eternity, then nothing will. Yep. Uh, and so so these things, you know, we have the hope for today. We have the hope for eternity. And, and, and all that's really great. Then it comes time to, okay, well, how am I going to present that? If you remember, the, the scripture that this is all coming from is 1 Peter 3, 15 to 17. And it says, you know, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you the reason, the hope that's in you, yet do it with what? Gentleness and respect. The other verse that goes well with this is found in Isaiah 12, 4. And it says... And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. You don't need to tell anybody else's story, but yours. Joe, do you need to have all the answers? No, 
Can we know everything that is within scripture? No. Uh, he's an infinite God. How can I know everything? There's so much I don't. That, it's funny. The more I think I know, the more I realize I don't. Yo. Um, but when we, when we present this, when we make a defense and when we talk to people and share our faith, how we present it really does make a difference. Um, and we could all probably share horror stories of it going well, and that wouldn't be a horror story. So when it went not well, James one, two to four, Joe, do you want to give this a read? It just talks about the fact that, you know what? It's not always going to go smooth. Um, when we want to talk about our faith, count it all the joy my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, I mean, that's talking about our faith and counting it all joy when trials come. To me, that almost looks like a promise that trials are going to come. That Christians are not exempt from having the ups and downs of, of having people persecute and all that. If anything, it, we're probably going to get it more. I mean, look at the early Christians, the, uh, between the Jews, the Christian Jews being segregated from the non-Christian Jews, the Jew, the, uh, Christian Gentiles being separated from the Gentiles. It's, uh, being persecuted and having all that stuff going on has been, we've been going through that since day one. I think if people are surprised that we go through it now, then I don't know. They yeah. should definitely be paying more attention. <laughs> it's yeah. not new. It's certainly not new. And I was just, I was listening, but also thinking, remember Stephen in, in scripture when he's stoned to death? Yep. He gives a testimony and, and tells them about the hope that's within him. And he knew what was coming. But I don't see him speaking disrespectfully. I don't see him, you know, and, and he's facing death. Yep. And so if I'm just going to face maybe some ridicule and, and all of that, I mean, if we believe that sharing what we've experienced and know um, through this podcast is God's plan, then even if we're made fun of or put down or ridiculed, it's still far more or less than what Jesus went through for me Yep. And, and for you, listener. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I would encourage you to read the book of John and find out what I'm what I'm saying. I think it's important too for uh, people who are heavily focused in evangelism. Every Christian should be focused in evangelism in some way. But I think the uh, I think I think every Christian should have to go through some form of persecution at some point, trials and tribulations, because it's through those trials and tribulations that we're able to. Uh, it goes along with what we talked about before uh, with Revelation 12, being able to speak of your testimony and uh, using that testimony to give warning for people coming up that as they're coming up, you've already gone through that. So they know what to expect or at least have an idea of what to expect because you've been through that before and you have that warning. You have that, uh, you have that experience to be able to say, Hey, watch out. This is probably going to happen at some point, or at least some form of this. Nobody wants trials. Uh, that's a hundred percent. I will say this from my own personal experience without going into detail. Some of the hardest times in my life, have been those testing grounds where I either had to stand firm in my faith with Jesus and hold on for dear life or be done. Yep. And, you know, I'm happy to report that, that as tight as I was holding on to him, he was holding so much tighter onto me. Um, no one likes those trials, but now I, I wouldn't be who I was today as a Christian, you know, right. with, without them. Uh, so, 
to answer your question, why we talk about being ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us is because we know and we, we experience that he has hope for us today that we can live in victory over sin right now. And not only that, but he gives us a hope for eternity that when we die, when our bodies are gone, we are present with him for eternity. And not only that, that we can communicate that in a way to people that is done with respect and with gentleness. Um, So I hope that you kind of now understand why this is kind of our our go-to verse for why we're doing this. We have this hope and and we want to share it with you uh, respectfully. We want to have, obviously we want to have some laughs and we want to do it, you know, um, to the best of our ability. And, and at the end of the day, we, we want to communicate Jesus to the world. And um, he is the hope of the world. And now it's time for everybody's favorite portion of the show, the Not A Sponsor Break. Nobody does well, ladies and gentlemen, after last week's salt and peppery snack that's going to slowly kill me by putting so much fat on, I decided it was time to make a switch. So today I'm bringing you club soda from President's Choice. That's right. It's water. Today I bring you water that has been carbonated and put into a can. It's low in sodium. Did you know you can get low in sodium water? Well, now you can with President's Choice Club Soda, low in sodium. You flip this thing around, look at the label. There's no fat, no calories. There's 1% of sodium, 1% of potassium, no carbs, and no protein. It's water in a can. You need it to live. Nobody does it better at quenching my thirst and keeping me hydrated and healthy than President's Choice Club Soda. Not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, listeners. Uh, we're glad that you stuck with us. We are going to look at another one of the Wesley questions. And if you don't know what I'm speaking about, these are questions that John Wesley and his brother and a few other men would ask each other when they would meet together. Um, it was an accountability group, and it was they asked these not to be prying and poking at each other, um, but because they actually deeply cared about their spiritual life and they wanted to be able to encourage one another and they wanted to make sure that no one was falling by the wayside. Um, and so the question today is this, am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? I get where Wesley's coming from in this question. I don't like how it's worded, though. Um, where he talks about, do, where he says, do I exaggerate? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong inherently with exaggeration. Obviously, if you're doing it in like, I caught a fish this big, but it, like you're just doing it just to do it. That's dumb. But I don't think there's any. I don't think there's anything wrong inherently with exaggeration as long as it's not uh, in in dishonest way, if that makes sense. Like Jesus was exaggerative. He exaggerated. I, I hear what you're saying. I think though, that if you look at the very beginning of the question, am I honest? Right. So I think what you said is true. I think this is getting to the heart of, of why you're exaggerating as opposed to the exaggeration. Right. You know, you know, um, how long did it take you to get here tonight? Oh, it took me forever. Well, no, it didn't. Right. You know, that, that, that is an exaggeration. I wouldn't say that that is sinful. Right. And obviously I know it didn't take you forever. Right. It might've felt like that to me waiting for you to get here, 
or or you, but clearly you're not lying. Right. You're. We're both saying. You know. We just understand that it, it took a long time for you to get here, uh, and so. So I get why the question looks weird, and um, it also kind of ties back to the first question that they asked, which was basically creating an impression that they were better than they really were. And to me, this is really a heart issue. Uh, it's more about honesty, you know. So there are certainly people that will pretend to be something that they're not, and they will exaggerate, you know, maybe how much money is in their bank account, or they will exaggerate, you know, their accolades. You know, I'm the best at. When really maybe they're adequate, right? Uh, to to make you feel that they oh they're they must be so special. And so I wonder. To me, I wonder if that's where that was heading. More about you know this integrity of of character. As you, what what do you think? Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I think that's where it's going. I uh, I'm definitely not a huge fan of how Wesley worded some of his questions, um, but that's also just a me thing. Well, I can tell you right now because I uh, have just taken a course on John Wesley and some of his writings and I've had to go through his sermons and different stuff. Uh, the headaches and the, the amount of like going back over and over and over again. And, uh, and it's in English. Yo. And I speak that language and read that language, <laughs> but it confuses me with some of the ways they say things. Um, so I kind of went with this more about the inner truth. You know, am I true? If I was to word this, I would say, am I true in how I act and, and, how, and, and what I say to others? Or do I pretend to be something I'm not either through, you know, exaggeration or lying or things like that? I agree. When I saw exaggeration, I thought, do you mean lying? Right. Um, you know, obviously, you know, God sees the inner person. First Samuel 17 or first Samuel 16, seven says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height of his stature because I have rejected him for God sees not as a man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The reason I included this is because I want us to really kind of focus in on this is about the heart. Um, you know, and, and God sees when it's not right. You know, Joey, what did, um, the, you know, scripture here from Genesis. Yeah. Uh, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This, every imagination of the thoughts. So he, he not only knows what we're thinking of. Did you know that you can be thinking and then be thinking about what you're thinking of? It's kind of a meta concept. <laughs> but, but not only does he know our thoughts of what we're currently thinking, he knows the imaginations of those thoughts which is terrifying sometimes when you think where your brain can go. Um, Exodus 20, 16, you know, this is the 10 commandments. This is one, one of, you know, the 10 things that God wrote with his finger on a rock. And he said, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. So it would seem to me that this question is, am I honest in, in how I interact with people? Uh, there's a great analogy of like a butcher when he would put meat on the scale to weigh it, to see how much it would be. If he was honest, he would take, put the meat on the thing and just take his hands away. But you know, you see probably seen it in TV shows. You get the butcher that like puts his thumb just on the scale and pushes down just enough. Right. And he's not robbing these people for, for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but little by little, 
you know, he's getting their money and he's dishonest. Yep. Those little lies take root and seed in your heart and it becomes bigger and bigger. It causes bigger issues down the road, whether you want to admit it or not. Yeah. The last scripture uh, I would like to look at before we kind of move on from this is found in Proverbs 4, verse 23. And it says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. And I think that's super important that, that we are mindful of what, what is within my heart? You know, do I, do I want to put my thumb on the scale and and tip the scale my way? When I speak to people, what I, what I, do I lie, you know, to avoid maybe, to maybe even avoid confrontation. You know, what would it look like if everybody told the truth? Feelings would get hurt. Oh yeah. Relationships could end. Yep. And, and there could be some strain, but it's still the truth. So we have to get to the place where we, where we go, am I willing to tell the truth even to the point of where it hurts? I mean, look at Paul and Peter in Galatians. Peter was, Peter was eating with the Gentiles and he had specific revelation from God that it was fine to eat with the Gentiles. But then there was a concern. I think it was with, I think James and his, some of his crew came along and was talking with Peter um, and they brought up how it was causing divides in the in the Jewish church because the uh, the Jewish Christians were like, "Yo, why is it okay for you to eat with the Gentiles?" Uh, I think this is in Galatians two. Yes, Galatians two. Um, and the, and they were drawing issue with that, and so Peter ended up stopping eating with the with the with the Gentiles, even though he knew with specific revelation from God that it was okay to eat with the Gentiles. But yeah, he still pulled away because he was like, oh, well, I got to appease the the Jews. And Paul just flat out called him out in front of everyone being like, yo, you know that it's okay to eat with the Gentiles. You know what the truth is. And you're backing away from that. Like, you can't do that. And I think we need more of that in the church right now is when you have the truth of God, not being, not just suppressing it to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, if we've seen anything, even from some of the scriptures we looked at earlier, you know, with trials and tribulations that will come, you know, in those moments, you can't back down. You've, you've got to stand for what's true and what's right. Um, so am I honest in all my acts and words? Or do I exaggerate? Or do I lie? Do I pretend? Do I say things that aren't true? In my inner heart, is my heart true? I think it's a question that it's one of those things that every day we need to ask ourselves. You know, David said, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then not only that, but he said, you know, purge me with hyssop. Well, um, that might not translate today for people, but if you know what hyssop is, hyssop is like a weed that is like rubbing an SOS pad. You know, those metal pads that your mom or your grandma would, would use to clean pots and pans. That's like rubbing that on your skin. And he was saying that it's that, like, take that kind of thing and get the sin out of me. Um, interesting that that's an SOS pad. SOS. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, brother. <laughs> so this is a question we can be asking ourselves uh, every day for sure. Uh, the last question that we have for the show it's, uh, it, it comes from Yahoo Answers. I'm not going to lie. Who are we kidding here? And it is this. What is your strategy when you eat at a buffet? Now, 
there are a few answers that I found. I'd like to hear yours, Joey, and I'll certainly share mine. But I, I like this one. This one comes from uh, Yahoo Answer. I'm answerer. And he says, my personal strategy at a buffet is to arrive early and avoid drinking anything except small sips. So not to get full too quickly. Smart. Salad is for rabbits. Desserts are for kids. And soup is for people with no teeth. <laughs> I can live by that. Except for desserts. Stick to the meats and seafood and things that I like that aren't available elsewhere and don't rush and pile on the plate like there's no tomorrow because there's plenty of time to go back for more smart you know what i i read that i like that's a solid strategy it's super solid i can get behind that yep for me uh my i have what i would consider a well-documented only child syndrome where i didn't grow up having to fend and fight for my food i grew up where as an only child my parents would put a plate of food in front of me and i would eat it to its completion or till i was full and then that plate would disappear somehow get washed and it this this cycle of magic plates uh, repeated, you know, three, four times a day. And it wasn't until I started, you know, going to church functions where there'd be, uh, you know, the potlucks and all that kind of stuff where you got to fight tooth and nail, you've got to fight tooth and nail. If you don't want to get stuck with that weird sandwich that has the, the red, um, like cream cheese with either, I'm not sure if it's lobster or jello. I, I, yes. It's either really fancy or dirt cheap. Um, If you don't want to get stuck with those, then you've got to get in there and you've got to ask poor Bessie, you know, poor poor Bessie. uh, Listen, can I, can I get in line? I've got two kids. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's the real reason. Cats out of the bag. Get in front of the line for the church. Cats out of the bag. I'm not the only one though. In fact, uh, a listener of this podcast and I'm not going to name names, but we've been able to connect over this that because I thought it was just me. I thought I was all alone in the world. You know, only child syndrome. I'm the only one that's going through this like social anxiety of is there going to be enough food for me? I need to get to the front of the line. And I also don't like other people touching the food that I'm about to eat. Yep. It's just the thing about me. Um, I like things clean and uh, not that people are dirty. This I took mean, a, well, so like a potluck or, you know, the buffet and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I have to strategize. I have to figure out what am I going to use to my advantage? Can I leverage my children? Yes, I can. Women and children eat first. If, I, if you ain't willing to throw elbows, you aren't going to get those meatballs. And really, why else do we go to church potlucks? We go for meatballs. the meatballs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never had bear. Can you eat? You can eat bear, can't you? Yes. Apparently, it's really good. I've never had it before, but allegedly, it's very good. Huh. That's such a Canadian thought. Yeah, I've never had bear. Well, listener, um, there's a listener out there right now that's going, I got some bear. We will gladly accept your bear imports. Yep. Uh, We can't accept bees. Uh, I don't don't think you're allowed to take bees into Nova Scotia. I don't think so. But if the bees are already here, okay. Anyway, hey, we have a listener that, har- that farms bees. Oh, yes. Yo. Fan number two. What up? Uh, so glad you're here, fan number two. Um, all right. So that so for me, I, I, I play every advantage I can get. I use every bit of whatever so that I can get to the front, so that I can get my hands in first, you know, and 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 then I, I fill my plate. I You know, this person said about not rounding your plate. I do. I round it with everything because I don't want people touching my food. 
I mean, in all fairness, too, at buffets, you have the reassurance that it's going to get reloaded. Yes. When you're on yeah, a pot, like yeah, you already that's have true. the reassurance. That's right. I suppose the question was more uh, buffet than I've been kind of harping on the poor potluck <laughs> here for a while. Um, you know, the only buffet I go to is the Chinese one, you know, in that city close by. Oh, uh, uh, but we can't name. We've we've filled our quota for brand names. Is it by the chicken place? It's by the chicken place. Mountain Road. It, it's, it's by the chicken place near the road of Mountain. Yep, and I know the place. Yeah, it's real good. Real good. Real good. Closely related to. It's royalty. also by that. It's also by that roast beef place. Yep. See, all I, whenever I go there, I'll, like I just kind of zone out until we get there, and then I'm like, oh, Chinese food. But like, whenever we get there, it's just all I can think is this is a super sketchy area. Yes. Um. Well, that's kind of my strategy, and we saw the other persons. Joe, what about you? When you head to the potluck, apparently you zone out until you're there, yep. and then once you're there, you engage. <laughs> tell me, tell me about full buffet, Joey. Um, <laughs> Going full buffet. I I definitely relate with the. Uh, with the Yahoo answer, um, I'm very strategic with it. Uh, you have to make your rounds so that it's very convenient and fast to get your food. Otherwise, people will get in in front of you and then you're wasting time when you could be eating, right? Uh, so you get there um, and there's a certain order that you have to go. I can't really I can't really specify because that would get real confusing when you can't see it. But um, you have to really portion out everything. So I always get like one scoop of whatever I'm getting. Um, and you have, you have to like half that portion when you're getting noodles because the noodles are what will fill you up. They won't tell you that, but noodles will fill you right up. So you gotta get like half portion of noodles, even though those noodles are real good. Uh, you got a half portion of noodles, one scoop of like the pork and stuff. Uh, and you just kind of ration everything out. Then from there, once you've gotten a good mix of everything, you have that. And like the first answer said, you take small sips of your pop, you wash it down and that's it. You can't fill up on it. Right. So once you finish your first round, that's when you have a taste of what's good and what's not, because everyone knows when you go to a buffet, the food, regardless of what the food is, it will always be different. It will be differently cooked whenever you show up. So when you finish that first round of food, you now know what has been cooked well and what has not. So then you can go up and get your favorites and stockpile your favorites. You can go heavy on the noodles because now you've gotten a taste of what's good and what's not. And you can you can just lean into the stuff that you really want and just gorge. So <laughs> I sent Joey hours ago the kind of the agenda and what we'd be talking about, the different scripture references and the topics and all that, it's become super clear to me that you started at the bottom and just stayed there with, <laughs> with getting your buffet game ready. I wish I could say that I pre-planned this. This is all just going with the flow. <laughs> Man, your buffet game is tight. Yeah, dude. You gotta, if you get, if you get one thing right in life, sorry, if you get two things right in life, Jesus Buffet plans. Wow. Man, you got to get your, get it buff. Well, Joe, uh, I'd like to start doing a thing just kind of before we sign off of giving a music recommendation, something out there for the people, something that you're listening to. Um, but I would like to do uh, like a Christian band, a Christian group. One of the things I hear a ton with uh, with people in their music that they're unwilling to give up some of the music they listen to because they're like, but I really like the music. Sure, the lyrics are horrible or singing about things that are awful, but, uh, but they just love the music. And my argument would be... Um, what goes in is what comes out. I think we're that's 
pretty, pretty easy um, to say that. So I always like to challenge people that there is, there is certainly a Christian music genre out there that can fit your niche market. So whatever you're looking for, I believe it's out there. If Christian jazz can exist, anything can exist. And it does. Oh, it's real good. So, Joey, what would you want to recommend to the people listening at home if they want to check something out? What are you listening to right now? Um, I've got two bands that I'm listening to right now. Um, they're both heavier. Uh, the one is more of like a heavier rock and the other one's pushing more into metal, but not quite. I just knocked my mic. Um, one of them is Ashes Remain. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ashes Remain right now. Ashes Remain. Yep. Okay. Um, and the other one would be Theocracy. <gasps> it's such a good band. Love them. Oh. Didn't know they existed until you showed them to me. It's a real good band. Now I can't stop. It's uh, it, it mixes like just amazing musical prowess and really good Christian lyrics without just being your boring uh, regular worship songs that you hear every Sunday and just all the time, nonstop. This was supposed to just be a music recommend, not a... <laughs> I'm real passionate a, about this. Not a dish on the church in general. <laughs> Step it up with the music. Come on, guys. So, Joey, when you are a senior pastor of a church, you can have theocracy come. I will. That I will be there if that happens. Um, thank you, Joey. So ashes remain and theocracy and a short beef on the church is <laughs> what you get from your music recommendation from Joey. Yep. Uh, Joey, thank you for joining us uh, tonight. It's been a pleasure to have you as well. Listener, thank you so much for listening. We could not do this podcast without you. Well, we could, but what would be the point? Uh, so we are so glad that you're listening. Please, if you can rate, review, share, you know, you hear it everywhere, but it really does make a difference and helps get the podcast out there. And please send in your questions through Facebook, through Twitter. Um, we would really love to have some dialogue and be able to answer some of your questions as well, uh, not just some random ones from the internet, although those are important. So until next time, thanks again. God bless. And we'll see you next week.